The Dental Practice Fixers podcast is brought to you by the Maddow Center for Dental Practice Success. To find out how we can help increase the success of your practice, check out maddow.com or call us at 1-800-258-0060. Can you just glue this crown back on? Don't you love it when a patient says that? Can you glue it on? Like they've got some crown that, that popped off and they've got like a little stubble of a root with decay all over the place. And they think you could just load the thing with Elmer's and put it, put it back on. But it's definitely a question that we get from patients. And it's something that we're going to talk about today. And a lot more on this week's episode of the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Richard Maddow, co-founder of the Maddow Center. By popular request, I mean popular request, we've got another fixer, our, our guest host today. I'm going to introduce him in just a second. But before I do, I just want to let you know that a lot of people, again, have been asking us about contact-free charging because they know that our credit card processing partner, Fat Merchant, offers contact-free um, I was just talking to the folks at Fat Merchant yesterday, actually, and they've got this really cool system. It involves two of those machines where the dental team uses one and the patient uses another, and there's never any chance of contact. So they just, you know, credit card in, credit card out. Nobody touches anything. Everybody's happy. Plus, the best part of it all is that you'll save money on your processing every month because they do not charge an overage percent. It's just a low monthly fee. So please check it out. Your patients will love it. You will love it. Your accountant will love it. Everybody will love it. Just go to maddo.com slash save. That's M-A-D-O-W slash, no, hold on. Let me get that right now. M-A-D-O-W.com slash S-A-V-E. Okay, which brings us to our guest host. We've had a few guest hosts recently, um, and people have asked for both of them to come back. People loved both uh, Coach Betty Hayden and the one and only Dr. Mitchell Joseph. So due to popular request, we've got MJ, as I like to call him, back in the guest hosting slot today. How's it going, MJ? Great. Great to be back. I'm ready to fix some practices. What are those tools you have there? I know some people are watching us on video, but others can't see you holding up two. I mean, those things are like industrial size. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of these gifts I get from specialists every holiday season. They send me tools. Wow, you must have quite a reputation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're in your garage again, and I see this incredibly beautiful uh, powder blue. I don't know what that thing is. Some kind of crazy sports car behind you. What the heck is yeah. that? The Aston Martin. The Aston Martin Vanquish, the flagship of the fleet of Aston Martins. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. Next time I visit you in, in uh, Palm Beach, I want to spin in that thing. But don't let me drive. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. You have to. You have to. I would imagine that's a stick shift, right? No, no, because it's a relatively new car and it's tough to get a car in stick shift these days. So it's automatic, but you could also use the paddles, the paddle shift. Ah, very cool. Well, uh, Mitchell, we've got a great question from a listener today. Um, that I have a feeling you're going to have an excellent take on. But before we do, real quickly, we were chatting it up, and I, I've known you for many years, and I've always known that you went to McGill University Dental School in Montreal, but we, I never really asked you why, because 
You know, sometimes when, when an American can't get into a good school in the U.S., they wind up going to a foreign school. But McGill is a, you know, internationally recognized, fantastic uh, university and dental school. So obviously that wasn't the case. So how did an American like you wind up at McGill University Dental School in Montreal? Yeah, well, first of all, the Canadian dental schools are not considered foreign schools. There's reciprocity in the United States dental schools. So if you go to a Canadian dental school, you just take the regular board exams. Back then it was the NURBS, uh, the Northeast Regional Board, and uh, California and Florida. If you wanted to practice there, you had to take the same exam that any American had to take. So it really, um, it's, it's like going to, a, to school in the States. However, <laughs> the problem is they don't take Americans. And uh, in the, let's see, I graduated in 88. So in 32 years till this day, there has been two Americans accepted to the dental school at McGill. Me and one of my closest friends from dental school, Dr. Mike Cronin from uh, Massachusetts, uh, who uh, practices in the Fitchburg Lemonster area. He got in because his dad was an alumni of McGill in the 1950s. Oh, wow. Why I, why I got in, it was a crapshoot. My parents had this wacky idea. My mother thought they were going to reenact the draft, and I was going to have to go to Canada. Ooh. <laughs> so you proactively just went. <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell you something. A lot of my professors at McGill, they were all guys that dodged the draft during the Vietnam War. So it was a ton of American professors, and they were all suspiciously exactly the same age because they all headed to Canada and went into Canadian programs and settled there and had a nice life. But my parents had a wacky idea. Look, the dental schools were expensive, maybe uh, in comparison, not as expensive as today. But look, a private school back then, going to NYU or Columbia University, I mean, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Um, they were just recovering from losing a couple of mom and pop furniture stores that we owned. Uh, in the 70s and the late 80s, the big chains came into town like Levitt's Furniture and the little mom and pop stores went out of business. So my parents were hurting and they were just starting to recover about, I would say, 1982, 1983. And I wanted to leave college early. I doubled up on the requirements and I was able to get into all the dental schools I applied to, Columbia, Tufts, Penn. And I was going to go to Maryland because Maryland was an out-of-state state school, and it would have been the least expensive dental school I could have gone to. And it was all ready to move to Baltimore, but I went on an interview at McGill University. I took my parents with me because I was such a big baby. And when the dean came out of the interview room, the dean comes out in the hallway with his arm around my shoulders, and he says, well, it's nice meeting you, Mitch. And he looks at these two Jewish people on a bench in the hallway, and he says, you brought your parents? <laughs> and I was like, I was like embarrassed. Good, good thing I didn't bring like the family dog or something. So he, so he said to me, you know what? You must really want to go here. That's really nice. And he shook my parents' hands. And McGill's acceptance letters go out later than the American dental schools. And very late in the summer, I got into McGill and I withdrew from Maryland. And I had a fantastic time. And I lived in downtown Montreal. The dollar was super strong then. $100 was 140 Canadian. 
real estate prices weren't that expensive. I rented a beautiful luxury studio apartment with a, a parking garage in the basement of my building, a pool on the roof. And I, I had a great time. And uh, there were only 39 students in my class. I could name every student in my class first and last name and what outfits they wore for four years of dental school. <laughs> wow, what a story. I just actually met one of your classmates, Dr. Livingston Shen. What a cool guy. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, very was, close friend of mine, yeah. Your acceptance letter was in French, though, so you didn't even know if you were accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, I think the diploma is in French. Oh, and by the way, McGill's an English school. It's just located in a French province. It's not like going to Mexico where you have to learn a different language. Right. And Montreal is such a cool city. Man, I haven't been there in a long time, but can't wait yeah. to get back. Okay, let's get down to it. We've got a crazy question from a listener today. I'm just going to read it, and um, let's hear your take on this, MJ, and then I'll tell mine as well. Okay, it says, Dear Dental Practice Fixers, which you are an unofficial dental practice fixer. You got your tools there, you're in a garage. I mean, what could be more, more legit? Okay, dear dental practice fixers. A few months ago, a patient who has been with me for several years came in with a large fractured restoration and some recurrent decay. We did a corn crown, which seemed to be pretty routine. A week later, the patient came back with pain that awoke them at night. I referred to an endodontist for diagnosis and possible treatment. So two days ago, the patient, who seemed pretty normal before this, I love that line. You know something's about to happen, right? Yeah, no, normal. Right. So the patient who seemed abnormal, who seemed pretty normal before this, came storming into the office, screaming. I came in with no pain, and you said I needed a crown. That tooth was fine before you did the crown. I got the crown done like you said, and now I need to shell out more money for a root canal. The endodontist said you hit the nerve. This is ridiculous. You better do something or I'm leaving this practice and I'm going to go on Yelp and put you on blast. I'm not sure what that means, but it doesn't sound good. Wow. How do I handle this patient before he goes online and rips me a new one? A lot of colorful language in this one. And it's signed, <laughs> yeah. distressed in Denver. Wow, a lot of things happened here, didn't they? Oh, my God, where do I start? Well, first of all, in my experience, 32 years and still, still practicing full time, the number one clinical reason why a patient leaves a dentist is this scenario. Now, the number one reason why a patient leaves a dental office is usually related to personality, something they had a fight with the dentist, they didn't like his personality, they didn't like the staff personality, a financial thing. But the number one, in my experience, clinical reason of why someone jumps ship is because they came in for a checkup, they have no pain, the dentist did an exam, they took an x-ray, does a filling, does a crown. I've had teeth after a buckle pit resin wind up needing root canal. You know, wow. because the x-ray, you can't see good decay on an x-ray on the buckle of the tooth because the tooth is all superimposed. So you can't really see how much decay is on like the facial underneath, let's say, an old amalgam buckle pit. Right. But how many times you get into a buckle pit, it thing opens up like the tip of the iceberg and the pulp is pretty close to where those buckle pit fillings are. So even a tiny little filling. So patient comes in, no pain. You do a restorative work, inlay, crown, whatever, and at some point in the immediate future, 
whether it's a day later, a week later, a month later, three months later, they get a horrible toothache, they get to the endodontist's office and they get a root canal. And of course, the big complaint is the crown is $1,500. Now the root canal was $1,500 plus the endodontist without calling you did a core buildup for another 400 bucks. So $1,900 later, the $1,500 plus the $1,900, the patient wants to stab you in the eye with a knife. Right. And, and you, didn't, you didn't warn them about anything either, apparently, in this case. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you said that. Warn them about it. Here's where I disagree with a lot of dentists. Some dentists feel that they need to tell every patient on every tooth they work on that there's a potential you're going to need a root canal in that tooth. I disagree. I think that if it's a relatively new patient that you don't have a long-term relationship with, you start talking, the, you start dropping the R word, you start talking <laughs> the root canal already, you're, you're dead. The, the patient, and it's happened to me when I was younger, the patient already is going to get a second opinion. They're going to get a second opinion. They're going to go to someone else. And guess what? The guy's going to take the next ray and say, ah, you probably won't need root canal. And boom, you just lost the patient. So other than having it in the informed consent, where it says you may need a root canal, among many other things, half the time people don't even read that. So don't rely on yeah, that to, edu yeah, to educate the patient. Because you can't go back to them and say, hey, Mrs. Nussbaum, I know you needed a root canal, but didn't you see uh, page right. 7, <laughs> line 82 of the informed consent that said tooth may need a root canal, right. tooth may need to be removed. It's kind of like scrolling down when you're downloading an app and they give you that thing, you know, I accept the conditions. Oh, yeah. Nobody in the history of the earth has ever read that. Right. So I don't feel you should be dropping the R word. Okay. So I feel you go and do that treatment. You, you, let's say it's an old crown, old filling. You remove the old filling. Before you remove all the decay, you whip out your intraoral camera. You take a disgusting image of the brown muck of decay that's on the tooth. Then you take a second image after you clean it all out. You don't say anything to the patient right now because there's, you know, there's all, we use these things called OptiGuard. There's a rubber retractor. So don't start the conversation yet with the patient. But on your TV monitors, your computer monitors, in view of the patient's vision during the rest of the procedure, when they're looking up, they're looking at these two disgusting pictures and they're already thinking, holy cow, what is he going to talk to me about? So you do your prep, do your impression, cement attempt, let the assistant clean off the cement, and then you sit them up, and I look them right in the eye, and I say, sweetness, <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. And I say to them, I'm going to need your help to make a decision, because it's your body you're the patient, you're gonna make the call. There was a lot of decay underneath the old restoration. You see all the brown crap? The second picture is what I had to do to remove it, which means drill deeply. And then I take out this model I have. It's a big tooth model that I got at a, I think the Yankee Dental meeting at one of the exhibit booths. And it shows a big ugly cavity sitting right on top of the pulp of the tooth. The tooth is this big and it's cut Sagittally, you open it up and it shows the anatomy, the inside of the tooth. And I explain to them, this is where we at. Now, 
I already took the final impression. That means the next time I see you, the permanent crowns are coming back. My feeling is if this was in my mouth or my wife's mouth, I would like you to get a root canal done on the tooth, which is taking out the nerve of the tooth to prevent you from winding up with a very painful abscess. If I, if I leave it like this and we put the crowns in with permanent cement at the next visit, I know that in the future, and the future could be tomorrow, next week, next month, or in six months from now, I know you're going to come down with a toothache. And here's the key line. The root canal specialist is going to have to drill a giant hole through your brand new $1,575 crown. And in my opinion, that compromises it. Because I don't know if you know this, but every endodontist has told me the number one cause of a failed root canal is coronal leakage. So anytime a dentist drills through an existing crown, even though they're going to put a filling in it when they're done, you're opening up those canals to the oral environment, and there's a chance that that root canal could fail. 99.9% .9 of the time, the patient will have the root canal done when they're in temporaries, so that when the crowns come back, I'm cementing crowns, permanent crowns on teeth that already have the endo done. But you pretty much diagnosed the need for endo. I mean... If I were the patient, I'd be saying, like, are you telling me this needs a root canal? What, what does it need, Doc? Well, I explained to them that when you remove decay very close to the nerve canal of the tooth, and there's a way on DEXIS, on the uh, digital x-ray system, you could plot points. And I plot a point on the deepest part of the decay and the, and the top of the pulp, like the pulp horn. And it gives a measurement between the two plotted points. And half the time, it's like two millimeters. And I tell the patient, I just drilled out a cavity from your tooth. But now the cavity, the hole in the tooth now is two millimeters away from the nerve of your tooth. That's one thumbnail on top of another thumbnail. That's extremely close. And I know from my experience, when you remove really deep decay close to the nerve of the tooth, the tooth is going to wind up in the future needing a root canal, and that necessitates the endodontist drilling a hole for your two brand new molar crowns that you just paid for. And I, I've never had a patient give me an argument with that. But you see how I give them the option? I tell them, you have to make the decision for me. I'm okay if you want to go for it. Put the crowns on, no root canal. But I just want you to remember this conversation. I'm going to write the notes in the chart that we talked about this and it could lead to you having a root canal later on that's going to be compromising the integrity of the two crowns you just paid a lot of money for. And do they ever ask you anything like, can you just leave the temporary crown on for a while? Can you just cement the real crown with temporary cement? I know that most patients aren't that sophisticated that they even know to ask that question, but those are certainly options. I have been asked the one about when the crown comes back from the lab, can you put it in with temporary cement? Because my old dentist always used to do that just to make sure it's okay. And I, I tell them, I personally don't think that's a good idea. Some of these back molar crowns, the preps are really short. I'm afraid that you could lose the crown when it's in with temporary cement. Uh, you could swallow it. And to be honest, I, I don't think that that's going to do anything. I, I don't believe in this trial run thing. 
I just feel that showing them the intraoral camera images, explaining with that big plastic model of the tooth, in layman's terms, and putting the onus on them, they have to make the decision. Are we going to go and get that root canal done while the temps are on, which is a hell of a lot easier, and it won't ruin the final crowns? Or are we going to roll the dice? And maybe you'll be on a trip, you'll be on a cruise one day, and you'll be on Tortola with a toothache and a swollen face. What are you going to do? You're going to go to the little grass hut on the left and have a root canal done? <laughs> you go to the witch doctor. <laughs> I'll tell you something else that I like, MJ. Um, show them the picture of the tooth after you remove the decay. I mean, patients have no idea that's what a tooth looks like with the decay removed. It just looks like a misformed stump to them, like really gross. Like you, you yeah. just did some major surgery on them. But obviously, if there's a pulp exposure and there's a, a, a bleeding point in the base of the excavation, that's, I mean, well, that's talk about different. a picture being worth a thousand words. I mean, you show that on an intraoral camera image, they're like, Done. When's the root canal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you think about the endodontist? Now, of course, this is the this is the patient's version, so we don't know if it's true or not. But what do you think about the endodontist saying, "Oh, your your dentist hit the nerve"? I've been there. I'll tell you a story. When I first came to town down here, I became very good friends with an oral surgeon that's South African. Florida has a lot of South African doctors down here because they all like golf and cigarettes. They smoke while they play golf. So there's tons of South African doctors down here. So when I first came down here, I kept meeting, meeting these South African dentists. And there was an endodontist that I used to refer to all the time. He was very charming. And all the patients had to hear was his accent. Oh, South African accent, it's killer. Oh, my God. So if one of my patients had a filling done or a crown, and they wound up in Dr. Uh, Dr. South African, I don't want to say his name, Dr. South African's office. This is how, this was his opening line. Let me take a look at your tooth. What did Dr. Josephs do now? <laughs> so the patient would explain the horrible story. <laughs> I came in feeling great. He did a filling on me. I had a horrible toothache. And I need a root canal. And he would say, well, sometimes when the cavity is quite deep, the doctor has to drill extra deep and basically hit the nerve of the tooth. But we'll take good care of you. And that was it. Patient gone, gone forever. Yeah. You know, Three under the I stopped, I stopped referring to that, Dennis. And another good reason I stopped working for him, because his family members, relatives of his, were local competing dentists of mine. So when the patient was done with him, thanks for the root canal, Dr. Ash. Um, by the way, I need a new dentist now. Who do you recommend? So they would go to his brother, his cousin. So after a couple of years of that, I stopped. And the ultimate thing I did to solve this problem is 11 years ago, I hired an endodontist that comes to my office every other Wednesday, Dr. Julie Kennedy. She's a beautiful and fantastic endodontist in Palm Beach County, Florida. And every Wednesday, she leaves her practice, which is a couple of miles away from my practice, and comes in every other Wednesday and does endo on my patient. Ah, good way to make sure the patients don't leave. 
hundred percent. And the patients love her. She does one appointment endo under a microscope that I bought for the operatory. Never heard a peep of pain. She's fantastic and very, very personable. Is that a little profit center for you too? Well, you know, it's a 50-50 fee split. Oh, and every geez. other in, in, in 11 years, every other Wednesday, and I have her do the cores too. In the last 11 years, every other Wednesday has had anywhere from, well, every other Wednesday has been completely booked with endo patients, but that could mean, you know, three molars sometimes in one patient. So she's, we, it's been a great arrangement. We are always booked. Her Wednesdays are booked solid with teeth to do endo on ah. every other Wednesday. You, you might want to back off when you're birthing a little bit. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're looking for a general dentist, we'll send you to my cousin, Dr. Diamond. He's the best. Oh, man. I have a, um, a South African friend, and she's a, a DJ on our, our classical music station. Her voice is just incredible. I, I can't imitate it, but... We've just heard Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. It's like you could say anything. It would sound amazing. All right, this, this, end of, this end of Donis? Yeah. He wasn't, wasn't the best looking guy in the room. Had a mullet. A <laughs> mullet. But when he, and he used to smoke cigarettes between patients and come back to the patients smelling like cigarettes. Ugh. But the accent, Rich, they would done they were mesmerized so the accent can make up for a mullet and smelling like stale tobacco bingo i might want to take some south african accent lessons okay let's get to our calls we're going to do three calls today on uh, the first two I, I i put out some feelers on a couple facebook groups um, about kind of annoying calls and questions patients ask and a lot of people said that um, patients call and say, I got a crown done somewhere else. It fell off. I'm doing quote marks in the air. It fell off. Now I'll do more quote marks. Can you glue it back on? So let's do a couple calls. What do you say? Ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go over to command central. I hope you can hear these. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear them. Okay. Okay. This first one actually starts with a long hold and no on hold music. So there's not a lot to hear. Let's see. Home? Sure. Okay. Answers. Can you hold? Immediately puts me on a horrendous long hold. But I don't hear anything. There's no static on the line. There's no music. There's nothing. Exactly. I mean, the very best, I think, is a, a on hold message. You know, welcome to our practice. Say some good things about the practice. Tell your location. You do cosmetic right. dentistry. I don't care what you say. But you're right. You feel like you got cut off. I actually... Um, totally. I had a call with a, a mattress company today, of all things, and when they put me on hold, I heard nothing, and I kept thinking I got cut off, and I almost hung up. Yeah, now, this is going annoying. on. This is going on forty-two seconds now. I would have hung up already. I've been to the bathroom twice, <laughs> and you haven't left. That's pretty scary. Just <laughs> had lunch. I want to fast forward this, but I, I think she comes back any second now. This is an inordinately long hold. Anybody in their right mind, and this is a new patient, uh, just calling with a crown in their hand. They would have been on three dentists. Oh. Hi, have you been helped? Not yet, just put on hold. How can I help you? Um, I have a crown that came out. I still have the crown. Can you glue that back in if I bring that in? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Good. Thanks for that information. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, and what is your name? Howard. Last name? Jonas. J-O-A-N-S. 
Are you a new patient? I've not been to your office before, no. No, okay, so you'd be a new patient? Mm -hmm. Okay. When did the crown come off, sir? Oh, four or five days ago. She's asking a lot of questions. Okay. It's such a long pause between each question. What is she doing? I have no idea what's going on. Can you come in today at 3.20? Oh, I'll tell you what. I might be able to, but I need to check my schedule for sure. Um, so can I call you back on that? Sure, that's not a problem. Great. Well, thank you so much. And is, what's the cost usually for that? Um, so it's uh, we do have um, the exam, which is um, – give me one sec – Wow. What is with the pauses, man? The exam no. would be... Sorry, I'm just... That's okay. What the hell is she doing? Okay, I think the cleaning lady, the nighttime cleaning lady picked up the phone. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have a special going on right now uh, with the free exam and x-ray. Um, and then whatever else the treatment would be, then we would let you know what the out-of-pocket out -of would be. Great. I, I really appreciate it. That sounds really reasonable. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and then, you know, since you have no insurance, then we would, um, you know, give you 15% off of your treatment. Wow. Okay. I really want to do it. I'm just not 100% sure about that time. So let me call you back as soon as I can. Okay. No problem. Great. Thank Th you, sir. Uh, thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. What a... <laughs> What a nail biter! <laughs> I hope all of our I hope all our podcast listeners are still with us after that. I'll tell you something. She said really weird at the end. She's quoting these fees. First of all, she says it's ninety dollars for the exam and whatever for the X rays. But we're having a special, so we don't charge you for that. So she didn't even need to say that whole thing. And then she said, "And since you don't have insurance, how does she know I don't have insurance?" She never asked me. I swear to God, it sounded like. Somebody that doesn't work in the office was just walking by a ringing phone and picked up the phone and just took a, took a shot at it. <laughs> yep. Now, out of all the things she did poorly, she did one thing well, which she did say, can you come in today at 320? So yeah. just that one little touch puts her ahead of most of our secret shopper calls. But I would have hung oh, up yeah. way before then in real life, I think. Yeah, that first, that first pause, I thought I was going to hear sirens. I thought an ambulance was going to come that someone had passed away. <laughs> And, and then when you asked the question, there was another pause. So I thought someone was doing CPR on her. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's so true because she could have come back after that hold and been the best secret shopper call we've ever done, but it wouldn't have mattered because 95% of the people would have hung up by then. Yeah. You know what? I have to say, um, listening, I've listened to every one of your podcasts and I'll tell you what all your callers all have in common. The, the one thing, the one piece of advice that every single, every single call you guys have made in every episode of your podcast, John Bon Jovi of, of Bon Jovi, a few years ago, he was being interviewed on Howard Stern and Howard Stern said, how do you come up with so many hits? And he said, simple, please don't bore us, get to the chorus. And Howard says, what's that? He said, please don't bore us, get to the chorus. Every Bon Jovi song not only gets to the chorus within a few seconds, 
some of their songs, and the Beatles do this too. You're a Beatles fan. Some of their songs start with the chorus. Ah, the Beatles oh, are the oh, kings of that. Help, I want to hold your hand. Can't buy uh, me love. Bon yeah, with Bon Jovi. Your love is like bad medicine, bad medicine. Da, na, na. You know, they start with the chorus. Bon Jovi says, please don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Get to booking the appointment. Get to asking the patient, do you want to come in a Tuesday at 2 or Thursday at 3? Every one of your callers, it's the same problem. They bore us before they get... And for those of you who don't know any musical terminology, the chorus is usually kind of the hook or the most familiar part of the song, the refrain, some people call it, that the part that gets stuck in your head that you know the song by. And so good songwriting advice. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's do another call. Same question. Ready? Ready. This is April. How may I help you? Hey, I have a crown that fell off, but I still have it. Can you glue that back in if I bring it in? Are you already a patient? I've never been to your office before. Okay. Uh, let me place you on a brief hold. Hold on just a moment. Okay. Uh, another hold. At least the music here. First of all, don't, don't ask, are you already a patient? Say, who, who do I have the pleasure of speaking to? And then you'll figure out if they're a patient. I so agree. I was going to ask your commentary on that. I'm glad you said that. I mean, to me, I was talking about this with Dr. Chen, who you spoke to. I was talking to him this morning, and he was saying, like, some of the stuff is common sense. But, yeah, it's common sense to us, but it's got to be taught to other people. Just to right. say, who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Don't... Are you new? Are you it's, new here? It's a very unwelcoming phrase. Like, are you currently a patient? Sir? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can see you. Um, I mean, I can't guarantee that they can just put it back on. The doctor would have to be the one to determine that. Mm -hmm. um, I can do tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock, or I can do Friday afternoon. Wow, that's fantastic. I'll tell you what. Let me check my schedule and see which one of those works best, and I'll... I'll call you back as soon okay. as I can. All right. Just give us a call. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Good comeback, right? You know, you, you know, one of the few calls, maybe the only one, that won't get an F from your brother, Dave. <laughs> He's a tough grader. <laughs> oh, man. But this one, I think Dave may say a D, but not an F. I think... I think so, too. I mean, she did a few, you know, the on hold right away was bad. The are you a patient here yeah. was bad. Um, and she didn't get my contact information once I made it clear that I couldn't make a decision right then and there. But right. she offered two good two good choices. They were both really soon. And she had a nice voice. She cared. So I'm going to agree. I mean, she did a lot of things right. One of the better calls we've done. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you, you guys actually came up with it. You know, you have this way of answering the phone and you have that acronym, Alaska. And I don't know if you remember, but I always added an S at the end. And in, in my staff, we have it out on the desk and it's called Alaska's, plural. And the S stands for SEND, S-E-N-D. And what that is, is I tell my staff, if after all this, you absolutely cannot get the patient to commit to an appointment, then tell them, listen, Dr. Josephs has written some articles on that exact topic. Or if he hasn't, Dr. Josephs has some really some great educational material that we would love to send you on that exact topic that you're asking us about. And you ask the patient for their email address or their snail mail address. And you have the doctor, even if it's something he Googles and prints out on a Word document, 
send the patient a nice little email with information related to the question they asked. And you take their email and you put it in your master email blast list. So every month they get a constant contact email blast from your office. I love that. Great, great, great tip, MJ. Um, we're just about out of time. Should we do one more call just for S&G? Let's yeah, do yeah. For quality of service, this call may be recorded. Don't you love that? For quality of service, this call may be recorded. I, I find they're usually the worst ones. I can't believe dental offices have that system that says that now. Hi, I'm looking for a new dentist. Are you taking new patients there? Sure. What insurance do you have? Oh, oh I think it's um, MetLife. That could be my medical. Is it today of dental? Our first question was what insurance do you have? Unbelievable. Okay. First question. Cool. cool. Um, Are you looking for a location or a location? Okay, let me see here. There are two locations. Just a second, please. Anybody would like to make an appointment for a cleaning? Well, can you tell me a little bit about the doctor? Oh, sure. Actually, he is like, uh, he graduated from the University of Maryland in 2001, and he's practicing for over like um, 19 years, he has two locations, one in one in and he does all the cosmetic and, um, you know, Invisalign surgeries, um, he does all these procedures, mm -hmm. and uh, I, um, as I can say, I was a patient of him, you're in a good hands, he's very gentle, and, uh, you know, you're going to be very pleased with him. Wow, that is fantastic, that's so nice to know. Sure. Good. Okay. Well, thanks for all the information. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay. Bye now. After all that, I got to say, I've done a bunch of secret shopper calls saying, like, can you tell me a bit about the office? I think we did some last week or two weeks ago. Can you tell me a bit about the dentist? And most people freeze. They have no idea what to say. Now, she had a, a little bit of an accent. It was a little bit soft-spoken, so I'm not yeah. even sure you could hear her, MJ, but... She, you know, she said he graduated University of Maryland. Who cares? Most people don't care about that. But she said, you know, I'm a patient here. He's very gentle. He's a great yeah. dentist. I thought that was really nice. It, it was excellent. And you're right. Most of your calls, when someone sells, can you tell me about the doctor? Someone, when someone asks that question, most of the responses I've heard from staff members is a complete blank. Like they're stunned. They have no information in their head about the doctor. It's unbelievable. I mean, they, they can't even think enough on their feet to say something like, she's a great dentist, she's very gentle. I mean, how much creativity yeah. does that take, you know? You know, and, and the, the best thing you could say, and I think she said it, is I'm, I'm a patient that he did something on me. Yeah. My staff says that all the time, and it's true. It's not the a lie. I've done, I've done some dental work on every staff member. Yeah, same with me. When I had my practice... I'm not saying I forced them to be my patients, but I kind of, you know, all the team, they, they were all my patients and their family was my patients. And there's nothing better they could say to someone else than, oh, I come here, my whole family comes here, we wouldn't go anywhere else. It's, you know, yeah, you've got to be able to say that. So give her credit for that. But then after all that, she never even came close to asking for the appointment. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why, that's why Dave would say F but I'm going to go with a D for a grade because I liked so much that other part of the conversation she had and bragging about her doctor, but please don't bore us. Get to the chorus. She just never got to the yeah. chorus fast enough. I'm glad you're doing the grade for Dave. Cause I think, you know, him, you know, his system pretty well, but I'm going to, oh, have to he's, say, tough. he's tough, but I'm going to have to agree with him this time because uh, 
you know, this doctor is whatever doing, being kind to their patients, doing internal marketing, external marketing, a new patient calls, potential new patient calls with some good questions. And the doctor has no idea that patient even yeah. exists. There's no record, no name, phone number, email address, yeah. nothing. So yeah, the, the problem is I'm grading on a curve, which you can't do. You can't grade on a curve. I can't keep thinking of all the other bad calls. And that elevates this person. Like, no, you're, hey, you're, you don't suck as you don't suck as much as the other ones. It's not right. Mitchell, so you're you're right. allowed. You're allowed to grade on a curve. It's you're you're the co you're the guest host. Dave's off for this week, so you're like, look. If it weren't for curves, none of us would have passed organic chemistry. Let's face it. <laughs> That's true, man. That is so true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've been on a while. We went over our usual time, but it was been so much fun, and I'm so glad that you um, took the time out of your schedule to come back as a guest host. MJ, great having you. So I'm going to say um, for Dr. David Matto, my usual co-host and co-founder of the Matto Center, and Dr. Mitchell Josephs, our great guest host today. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. And if you, listener, want to be a guest host, shoot me an email, rich, R-I-C-H, at Matto, M-A-D-O-W.com. Put guest host in the subject. Tell me why you want to be a guest host. And maybe... One day you'll be sitting in Dr. Mitchell Joseph's garage next to the powder blue Aston Martin. You just never know. Thanks so much, Mitch. Great to see you again. All right. Same here. Thanks a million. Take Thanks care. Thanks for listening. Bye.